Hey everybody, welcome back to Roosters on Olentangy River Road in beautiful Columbus, Ohio. It's Letterman Live. I am Austin Ward, and we got some of the old original crew back with us finally. Get, yeah. Breaking out of quarantine, back at Roosters, Jake Stoneburner, Zach Bourne. Hey, we're back. You were, I mean, you were... You were fully hosting this show almost. Uh, I know. Point before my we got mom hasn't let me out of the house. Now so, I'm back. So now we, I mean, we've got to get it back. We've got to shake the rust off, get yep. you back out here. Spencer Holbrook down there on the end. It's uh, it's tight ends week at Letterman Row, and that's further incentive to get Stoney out here so he can, again, make his plea to throw that position the ball. But we had to get two of the most versatile Buckeyes I know out here because I it. think there'd be a role for both of you guys in this Ryan Day offense, right? Oh, for Jack sure, at middle line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure, Stoney. Yeah. <laughs> no, we would be out there. We would. They, I think if we had Zach Bourne at fullback again, power offense would come back full circle. It's interesting to watch that offense anymore because some of this two tight end stuff, like you know, they're shifting the tight end back into the backfield. I think Zach Bourne could have. They look like a fullback. They just don't want to say it. No right. doubt. Stoney and I in the YY, you know? I mean, oh. they, it, yeah. It used to be Jeff like that. Hey, who? Listen, we used to practice it all the time and practice and spring ball and fall camp, and then season comes around. It's just game plans don't work out that way, you know? That's <laughs> yeah, how the cookie crumbles sometimes no for, doubt. for us utility guys. Hey, no doubt. You guys got your hands on the ball. You got into the end zone down there. Stoney maybe more than Zach, but. Yeah. Well, it, it's been funny, right? We're, we're bringing this up, and I know, you know, Stoney is maybe arguably the best receiving tight end in, in Ohio State football history, right? From the versatility, where he lined up. Thanks, and man. it's kind of, yeah, of course, I got you. But it's kind of funny where, you know, some of these games have been replaying because of, you know, no sports yeah. and the whole COVID thing. And so I remember the Ohio State-Penn State game was being shown one night, and I was like, oh, I'm going to turn on. And within the first, like, three minutes was that long touchdown, like an 80-yard <laughs> yeah, touchdown. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. Like Stoney, like Stoney's blazing, man. Like you know, he's a guy that, and it's funny. So many people talk about, uh, you know, so many people talk about what you do in the offense. What people don't realize is that. From an offensive scheme and play standpoint, there is so much that is run in spring ball and fall camp, and like that people don't know about because it's never shown during a game. Right. And I can't tell you how many times they had Stoney at wide receiver or flexing him out during spring ball or fall camp, and Stoney's going off in practice, <laughs> like just crushing these guys, right? And then he gets to the season, like, hey, where'd that package go? Like, where, where's it at, right? How and many so, times did we run? Uh, they had a screen. I scored my oh, junior yeah. year uh -huh. against Illinois, uh, Nebraska. Yep, yep. Uh, we probably ran that six to ten times throughout two, my two years there. Would score every time. Never would call it. <laughs> yeah. Finally, they call it. House it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny. You know, they they have so many different things that they do during practice and then game time. It's kind of they zero in on what they feel at that point. And there's so many things that people don't see. I like that you bring that up because so the only day of practice that Spencer and I have got to see this year, they did the one week in March before it got shut down. Everybody who's watching uh, Letterman Live at Roosters probably knows that already. But, you know, that first day of practice, man, Jeremy Ruckert probably had 15 catches. Luke Farrell probably had 15 catches. Mm -hmm. Cade Stover was getting in those three reps, and the ball was going to him every time. It was like, all right, I know that the offseason storyline is always where the tight end's getting the ball, yep. but on that one day of practice, man, it was like the tight end show. Oh, Zach, it's funny he remembered that because that brought a lot of memories up to me. It, it seemed like spring and fall camps were like tight end haven. And then <laughs> the games would come and... Was it like a trick? They just met... Stoney, Stoney, do you think that 
that they did that on purpose? They're like, oh, the media's here. We're going to throw the cat in every time just to get it. Just to I don't know. Geez. No, no, because there's so many things, even from you know a defensive standpoint, that, that we as an offense would go up against, right? There were times where I remember in fall camp one time, they went to a bare front like the majority of fall camp. And it's like, bare front, like where's this coming from? And, you know, they're playing with Johnny up and off the ball, and they were running almost like a 3-4 defense, right? Then we get to the season, it's like the normal 4-3. It's like we didn't show the bare defense at all. It's like we're going up against that in fall camp. And so, th- no, there. I mean, there's so many things that I think coaches want to get on film because it might be one of those things where the wide receivers, they know these plays are going to work, whatever it may be. They might just want to see, hey, how's this going to play out going YY or how's this going to look with Stoney going out? And so they rep it nonstop to try and get it on film because it kind of is, how's this going to look? How's it going to, you know, to a defense, right? They're constantly going going through and diagnosing what our offense is going to look like to someone else in kind of a self-scout standpoint. So I think they try and put as many things on film to see how it looks, knowing that they still got their bread and butter in their back pocket. It kind of takes me back also to, I remember the Michigan State game when Justin Fields found Luke Farrell 10 seconds after the ball snapped yep. as his third or fourth option. And you, you could just see that, you know, maybe that happened in practice a couple times and he knew that once he slid down, slid across the left side, Luke Farrell would be there. And you just think about all those reps that it goes into it and how often they throw to the tight end in practice. That's where the trust has to be developed. No, Stoney? Yeah. I mean, you're only going to get trust by making those plays in practice. You just hope they call them in the game so you can earn actual real trust. Um, and that's more developed, I think, just from the coaches seeing like, all right, we like this play, not necessarily this player, but we like this play here in this position. And at least when I was there, we had quarterbacks that maybe weren't the same that they are today as far as throwing. And we relied a lot more on big old 44 leading up in the <laughs> hole. Our running backs are still in the running backs in the NFL. And um, our quarterback was actually a pretty good running back as well with Braxton. Yeah. So half the time we'd be like, Dude, just take off. Yeah. Just well, make a play. I, I Yeah. You know, you bring up this year, Austin, and it's, uh, you know, especially in spring ball. And I remember the tight ends when, when I was at Ohio State, right? You had Jake Ballard, you had Stoney, you had Jeff, and you had Nick Vanette, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like Ballard was such a blocker, right? He was the big – Oh, great blocker, right? Stoney was the guy that was so good at getting out in space, right? And then you had, obviously, Jeff, who was another really good blocker. Like, that's where he – that was his bread and butter. And then you had Nick, who was the same way, liked to be out in space and do his thing. And you think of the guys – I think Jeremy Rucker maybe be the outside, but guy like Luke Farrell and even Jeremy – had some great blocks this year, right? They put them in that inline of scrimmage. I don't know if there's ever been a group, a full group tight end room that's been more complete than they have right now just because those guys are able to do so many things, right? When when we were there, it was kind of guys had their niche and, you know, no offense, Stoney, but Stoney didn't want to be the guy on goal line, right? <laughs> going going down in there. And, uh, you no think, offense taken ever yeah, on that, please. Yeah. It's like you He's think always about... always been the first to admit yeah, that. It's yeah. like you think about that group now in that tight end room they are so complete because they can all do different things. Grant, we've, we haven't seen Cade Stover do it, but we know how athletic he is. This is a linebacker that's playing tight end, right? right? So they can line him up at the H. They can line him up at fullback if they need to. It's it's probably the most complete tight end room that Ohio State's ever had. I, and that's why I find it so interesting because of, obviously we have this offseason discussion about throwing them the football more and to play devil's advocate. Like, you know, growing up, my dad is the same as Stoney. Like tight ends are always open. Like that, he's he's believed that his whole life. Every time I ask for a question of the day about tight ends, he's like, "When are they going to throw yeah. the football more?" Uh, we see that on Twitter all the time. Uh, love you, Dad. Uh, <laughs> but the best. But like, why do they need it? 
like, just be devil's advocate here. This is the best offense in the Big Ten, uh, one of the best offenses in the country, and you only have so many touches to go around. It's like they play two tight end sets. They're incredible blockers. I watch them. I know how important they are even when they don't catch the football. But, like, how many more touches would they even need? Like, I don't. That's my question. Uh, I know that's the big yeah. frustration for you, but there's just so many good players on Ohio State. And there's only so many few snaps, and so many few of those are actually passing attempts. That it, unless the the group around is lesser, everyone is. There's not enough balls, in my opinion, for the tight ends to have a 30 to 50 catch season. Right. Uh, we were saying that yesterday about Kellen Winslow. You just don't see tight ends in college football dominate like. We saw like Kellen Winslow. Really, that's like the last guy I can really yeah. think of. <laughs> you know, but you look at the Kittles and these guys, yeah. Travis Kelsey. It's not like that's pretty rare still, even to the yeah. NFL, to really take over games like that from that position. It really is. And those guys, at, at least at Ohio State, the two guys they have there are those type of NFL, yeah. maybe not game-changing like a Travis Kelsey, but still can play with their hand in the dirt and split out. It's just interesting to see. Not necessarily interesting, but with the amount of players and playmakers, you're right. How do we need to throw it to the tight end? You know, everyone wants it, but do we need to? Right. We've had a pretty good few decades here without throwing it to the tight end. Um, some of those, like Stanford, Notre Dame, Iowa, they're known for having their tight ends, but they play three tight ends at a time. Ohio State's never done that. So I don't know if we ever will. Maybe there one might be an outlier who does have a 50, 60 catch season. But maybe as a group, you could have that for sure. Right. Uh, coming from a defensive standpoint, in the time that I was at linebacker, right, I think the tight end position is it's your biggest weapon as a offense if you can utilize the tight end it's your biggest biggest weapon because as a linebacker you're sitting there especially as a mike and you're getting the defense set up right when a team comes out in four wide, guess what? It's either inside, like read option, inside zone, or they're passing the ball, right? It's pretty easy when you once you pick up on these things, right? Yeah. When you have a tight end in the game, it just creates a whole different dynamic, right? You don't know if it's run, if it's pass. Normally, a lot of times, you know, depending on the offense, right, anywhere between 60-40%, run or pass, whatever it might be, then you got to start thinking about the sticks. Okay, it's less than four yards. Tight ends in the game, okay, maybe I'm sitting run, right? And then you start thinking as well when you've got four wide people see that there's cards that are held up why people may ask a question you know the people who don't really know why are people holding up cards on the side it's to tell you personnel right so if guess what if four wide receivers are on the field and they know that in the huddle the defensive staff is not going to call a defense where five linebackers are in the game right they're going to get the dime defense where there's a bunch of dbs right well when you bring in a tight end you can't go to that nickel dime package all the time you have to play with your linebackers knowing like hey this could be a running down situation they got to be able to fill the gaps we got to be sound well guess what if you've got that tight end who is who is athletic who can get out it's a mismatch because you're putting them against guys like me Zach right? Warren has to guard me. <laughs> I mean, right I mean you know it, 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 the team that in my mind does it the best Penn State's been really good at it recently mm -hmm. with some of their tight ends yep. but the team that is so successful is Wisconsin oh yeah when's the last time you saw Wisconsin have a unbelievable wide receiver I mean it just doesn't happen right get, because you've got to DB lined up on them. The reason why they're so good is because when you play Wisconsin, you are forced to almost play a 4-4 as a defense, and you've got a linebacker matched up on those three tight ends. And it's so hard 
just from a height standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, from a length standpoint, you don't have a tight end playing linebacker, right? So mm-hmm. it's completely different body yeah. types. It's it, you, completely different makeup. And so if you can utilize that, it's your biggest weapon, you know? I, I think that's interesting that you bring that up, Zach, because Wisconsin does that and Iowa does that. And we saw Ohio State have problems defending that a couple years ago. Yep. It's because, you know, that old school you don't see many offenses built that way anymore and Ohio State has a lot of success with the tight ends but they're not ever going to use them in that way as Stoney said you're not going to see you know Hausman in there as that third they're not going to run three tight ends out there Kate Stover whoever um, but you know they're more in tune of using Ruckert sort of the way Stoney issued it where okay if you're going to try and match up with him we can also move out in the slot yep. then what are you going to do there uh, or, or that H-back role or whatever that's sort of Ohio State's way there's nothing wrong with that but it's interesting to watch how those other programs, like the reason they get 50 or 60 catches is also because they don't have really dynamic skill guys. Right. right? No and that's doubt. like, which one are you going to pick? No doubt. <laughs> but, when o- but when Ohio State throws to the tight end, it's always a, it, a lot of times it's a game-changing play. If you look at what they did in the Big Ten title game, they threw to Luke Farrell. It was a fake punt, but yeah. it went to a tight end. It didn't go to yeah. that H-back. Uh, you look at the Michigan play where Luke Farrell catches yeah. a pass. We watched that on Buck IQ. What about uh, Jeremy Rucker, right? Jeremy that, that's, he's, he started – He's yeah, the one-handed catch, right? That started the comeback, you Luke know? Farrell, uh, I referenced it earlier against Michigan State. It was 10-7 to when that happened. It's 17-7 to after he, he catches a, a touchdown pass. So, you know, they – don't get the credit they deserve. They don't get the ball as much as you know Stoney would love them to. But when they do, <laughs> it's most of the time it's a game-changing play or it's extending yep. the drive, and then they score one or two plays later. When you projected catches for this year, uh, Spencer, how many did you have for the tight ends? I think it was like 35 or 40 total. Maybe it was a 50 total, but it was a lot I, because I think like Justin 40. Fields is. I think Justin Fields is going to throw the ball more because he doesn't have J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, Trey Sermon can be good. But I think when you have the weapons you have at tight end and the uncertainty you have at running back, I think you can use the tight ends a little more in the pass game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I just if you look in front of you, and I, I think all any four of us could play running back this year with that offensive <laughs> line in front, right? It'd be a thousand yard rush. I'm going to get a couple yards. I mean, come on, right? So how I many mean, yards are you averaging, Zach? Uh, See, now that, that offense four. We've for got sure. Zach thinking yeah, about how sure. he fits yeah, in this yeah, offense. No now. That's we, way I kicked all it we need, off. All we no need doubt. is three. No doubt. Kidding, at least three. And, four. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, at, listen, being in Coach Day's spot and that offensive staff, it's like, how could you not just be salivating at what you have at your disposal with the offensive line? It doesn't matter who you plug in at running back. You've got, in my mind, one of the top two quarterbacks in, in NCAA and Justin Fields, right? And then you even look at the tight ends that we've been discussing, but look at the wide receivers. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. you got some of those young guys. you still got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, which might be the best one-two punch in, in college football going into this year, right? Yep. And then you sprinkle in some of those some of those younger guys, some of those older guys who haven't really gotten opportunities. I mean, they are dangerous. And I think that's part of the reason why I, I chose like 40 catches when I did the projection is because the young wide receivers are super talented. Yep. Nobody's going to dispute that. But I think early in the season, you might see Jeremy Ruckert line up as a third wide receiver or Luke Farrell line up with Jeremy yep. Ruckert at tight ends and let the the young wide receivers get some experience and slow the game down for them before they go out there and go four wide every Their time. 12 package could be pretty lethal with their O-line, the two tight ends, yep. and, and their two stud receivers out there. That's where it gets kind of dangerous because as Zach was saying, how do you how do you play that? Because yeah. you have regular linebackers in there guarding a Jeremy Ruckert who can run any route that most receivers can run, but they're yep. Zach Bourne size. Nothing against right. Zach, but... <laughs> no. 
Jeremy 6'5", going no against 5'10", that's just matchup yeah, any just day. throw it up there. No yeah. doubt. Hey, listen, if I'm lining up against Jeremy, that's when I used to look over at Ryan Shazier and yell, right, right, <laughs> help, help, right? <laughs> hey, trust me, I'd be asking for my help. Because I knew if I had Ryan to my inside helping me, I was like, all right, good, I could take his outside and I could cheat it. Oh, it's impossible, right? But even either having me lined up, against Jeremy Rucker, or if you come out in more of a four-wide set, even just Jeremy on his own, if they want to slide him out, you put up Sean Wade against him, right? Who, he was the Nicholas Passion. I'd rather have Sean Wade against Jeremy Rucker than me any day of the week, right? So it, now, that's we're what running, J- now we're running the ball. No, I know. So, But that's what Jake's yeah, talking yeah. about, right? That YY, that 12 personnel having two tight ends where they can have their hands in the ground, they can't split them out. As a defense, you cannot uh, – you're going to have a mismatch somewhere. It but, even makes it harder when you do both in the same play. You got to no s- 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 yep. sat down and then you spread them outside. Well, right before the snap. And Sony, yeah. I remember early in this. I can't remember if it was after week one or week two. Rucker had the, Rucker had the two touchdowns, but I think they both came in YY, uh-huh. and we're like, "Well, this is the new element here." Oh, he was. They had combination routes, wide, and they got okay. yeah. Because you're like, a you're putting, you're going to get a linebacker on one of those guys most of the time, but then they're running combination routes and decoys, and, and these guys have no idea what to do in coverage against them. Uh, play, once I got in the NFL, when they really show do a lot of two tight end sets and some of the route trees you can run from those after Dave was doing that you're like alright he gets it he, <laughs> oh, he yeah. gets w- the dangers of yeah. being able to have that YY set and have them run a route tree off that oh. I don't think we I, we even sniffed that when we played I'll tell you who did that and I went up against it as a linebacker and the team they've, they're known for it was Wisconsin. They go YY, and it's not even really a crossing route from from uh, uh, from the wing position. It's like a cross country, right? We <laughs> called it cross country because they're elevating, right? So they're crossing the field, but they're getting deeper, and they're almost going to the to the back third of the opposite side of the defense, right? From where they're opposite side of the formation, and it's impossible to to cover because you've got a linebacker who's a lot of times zone turning with the guy, and it's point he's got to give get him off right but then you've also got the wide receiver on the outside normally running a post getting the attention of the safety mm-hmm. and you've got that tight end coming back it i mean it's impossible to stop and you saw it last year right in the yy and when coaches start understanding that and what you can do now that yy set against playing with linebackers and safety's eyes i mean it's a it, it's it's over yeah ryan day and kevin wilson aren't uh Exactly two coaches that want to leave right. stones unturned yeah. if they know it works. All right, got these guys going on tight ends. We're going to cool them down for a little bit, take a quick break, maybe eat some food. We'll be right back here on Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. All right, welcome back to Roosters. I am Austin Ward, joined by the same crew. Didn't even change it up at all. Stoney's digging in here to the food. Help yourself. Uh, always great to be here uh, for Letterman Live on Mondays and especially during tight end week. So we dove into all that, guys. I had I asked this question a couple weeks ago, and I think people were really you know, interested in this because you guys know the roster. You know, you know what areas need to be strengthened. Uh, I don't see a lot of weaknesses on this roster, but if you are you know, heading into this extra you know, training camp, voluntary workouts, whatever they're going to do in the end of July here, what unit uh, has your most attention? Which one has to make the most strides before 
right. September and whenever this starts. I think running back. Okay. Um, starts football starts with the running the ball. We got a great quarterback. Um, but I think a lot of his greatness last year was because we had a, an amazing running back. And I think from where Dobbins is to anyone else, we have a, a pretty steep fall off, sure. in my opinion. So I think just seeing who's going to – if we can pick up that slack. I think everywhere else on the football field is pretty well off. I mean, obviously Chase Young gone. How do you replace that? Um, but they have some pretty guys, pretty good guys coming up. <laughs> yeah. So it's more about seeing their actual on the field and their talent. Um, but to me, it's the running back. I'm, I, I want. I need someone to step up the way. I mean, T, Master Teague's pretty nice, um, but it's it's a big drop drop off to me from where we were last year. To me, that that's probably the one place I would like to see the best. It's, yeah. it's crazy I, to think where Dobbins could have put that. If you got to oh. play in some second halves last oh. year. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah. Dude, I they, mean, he's so good. And he, <laughs> the team he's on now with the Ravens. He's going to oh. be unbelievable. Oh. Um, I've got two positions. I, the running back one, I'm not going to touch on it as much as Jake as he just did, but I already said it earlier. You are running behind, in my mind, the best offensive line in college football, right? So, uh, you know, the addition of Trey Sermon is going to be huge. Um, everyone's saying that, you know, his knee is, is fully recovered. So, if you got a one-two punch of Trey Sermon and uh, uh, Master Teague and you maybe you throw in, I love Marcus Crowley, what he can bring right before he got injured last year. So you bring some of those guys in, I mean, there's going to be success there, right? right? And Coach Alford is a great coach. Uh, but in my mind, I think the biggest spotlight I have is just one position. It's free safety, right? You're replacing a guy like Jordan Fuller, who is so smart and the middle linebacker and the free safety have to be on the same page at all times, right? Those are the two guys that make the defense whole. And you obviously have a really strong uh, linebacking core, but who's going to fill that free safety spot? And you need some experience back there. They obviously try throwing stuff at you, and we've seen offenses, they try and play with your eyes, right? And um, if you're a young guy and you don't have much experience, it's easy to get fooled with certain things. And um, who's going to fill that role, right? And then how are they going to respond by being a leader and making sure that everyone's in the right position? I've got the defensive tackle spot because I know that Tommy Togia can stuff the run. I know that there's some massive guys in there, so I don't think they're going to have a tough time stopping the run whatsoever. But can Teron Vincent take that step from his injury last year and turn it into being a dominant three-tech that Larry Johnson needs in that defense. Can Tyler Friday maybe transform into a three-technique like you know Berm has projected him to mm -hmm. uh, from his recruiting days? So I think it's a three-tech spot because Larry Johnson relies on that. You know Chase Young even relied on it some, mm -hmm. getting pressure from the inside. Deshaun Cornell flushing him outside the pocket. Chase Young cleans it up. So you know those defensive ends rely on that three-tech spot. I think it's going to be key for Ohio State to, to figure out who exactly fits there, and then it's up to Teron Vincent or a guy like that to just dominate from that spot. Well, that whole that whole area inside defensive tackle, nose and three, I mean, Devon Hamilton was so freaking good last oh, year. so underrated. I, and I, I, even on draft day, he was still being underrated. I don't really know why because – Just not could, a sexy position. Uh, yeah. He wasn't a sexy – I don't want to say sexy, but not a flashy yeah, bit, yeah. you know, but he did everything right and was phenomenal at it. I, I feel like you could put on the tape of any game and he was dominating last year. And like, if you want to – think that the sacks are fluky or they shouldn't matter from that position, that's fine. He had a kid, but he had six of them from nose. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's pretty nothing dang good. If Larry Johnson is not taking you off yeah. the field in pass rush situations, there's probably yeah. a pretty good reason for that. Right. So you got to have somebody step up and it was that boy. It was his Pickerington upbringing, there, man. <laughs> you know, we, we <laughs> pick strong. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. I think, I think Devon, it was a motor thing. He never stopped. And so that's why that defensive tackle spot is so important because you can be dominant 
you know, three out of the four plays, but on the fourth play, if something happens on the interior, somebody's scoring a touchdown. So yeah. Devon just never stopped. And so there was never a, anywhere for anybody to go. Even if the outside was getting pressure, you couldn't step up because Devon was so relentless. That's what they need from those guys, you know, Haskell Garrett, uh, even like a guy like Jerron Cage, mm -hmm. you know, those kind of guys that are have not been talked about very much, they've got to be able to step up because I'm not sure if anybody can match the motor that Devon has. And to narrow that down, too, it's like the under-the-radar guys that could really determine if this team wins a national championship or not. And to Zach's point, I mean, Josh Proctor, I, I've been talking about him for two years, yep. and uh, this has got to be the time. Like, Jordan Fuller's not back there. You know, Sean Wade's not going to be helping in the slot if he's that primary corner, so there's going to be inexperience out there with probably Cam Brown and Seven Banks. You're going to need somebody to be that leader of the back line. You've talked about the communication part, Zach, a number of times on Buck IQ. Like this has got to be it for Josh Proctor. You're recruited out of the first, you know, signee out of Oklahoma for a reason. We've talked about you as an NFL player. Yep. Well, you got to be it now. There's no choice. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. no I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I thought you were going. <laughs> right, right. Just nailed it. Right. No, I, yeah. You did. I mean, we, we've talked about this multiple times, right? He's got to step up. This is his time to shine, right? He's a highly recruited kid. He's a kid, like you said, first one out of Oklahoma. It's time to buy in, right? It's something where he played some in the Clemson game and got got his feet wet. Sometimes it wasn't the prettiest thing, right? But it's a guy who, throughout the year, you saw the trust start to be there, and now he's. It's on him, right? Mm -hmm. the, literally, he's on the pedestal. It's is he going to keep on climbing and take it, or you know, is he going to jump off of it and let someone else get on? And um, th this is the most important year for him. If he has any NFL dreams, if Ohio State wants to win the national championship year, it might be on his shoulders or whoever's chasing him to to get that position. Yeah. But I could not agree with you more. This is a kid who, since he started as a freshman, had a lot of hype behind him. Came out was killing it in fall ball i think led the led the team in interceptions his first fall right as a true yep. freshman and uh he's got to show up come game days yeah you so don't you don't get paid from the practice field <laughs> no you get paid from the game field and so it's Unless time to show practice up squad yeah that's true but you know <laughs> it doesn't work here no no it doesn't work here until you get to that next level no. uh at least not yet um until guys can sign their uh name image and likeness which i'm yeah. sure has mm. you guys a little bit jealous that mm. you're about eight years too late so I, I was talking to Jake Ballard about it, and he was like, yeah, that would be cool 12 years ago. And I was like, damn. You know, it wasn't like we just graduated last year. Oh, it's been I mean, a while. We just, you know, like we, well, damn, to me, we, that sounds like yesterday. I, mean, I remember, oh, I remember covering sure. the Penn State touchdown. Yeah. I, that's where I'm like, man, I feel like I missed out the boat on that. I, think of the guys who just graduated last year or the year before. Yeah. The amount of money that that could bring to Ohio State football players is uh, it's almost well, – and that's what I think is is great for them. But like the week after your touchdown at Penn State, there were great pictures of it, and everybody's behind you because you just ran away from the Nittany Lions. There, you're gonna go sign, you know, pictures of that the next week and charge yeah. for it. Zach's, you know, we know we've talked about his picture. <laughs> I would have loved like a Bud Light or Coors Light sponsor. That would have been great. <laughs> Dude, been well, I, think I think they'll probably draw the line. I haven't, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen the exact legislation, but I'm not sure that the college kids are gonna Fair get enough. get one of those. Yeah. But, that would have been phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, just think but about just it. signing your name on a picture and not, you know, being able to cash in on that because you guys do that as soon as you're done. Right. It's that's to me. I think the the it, that shouldn't have never even been a rule. Why could I not go make money off my own picture? You're using it. The, the university is using it to make money. Why can't I? Especially as a 20 year old, I don't know what I'm gonna if I'm gonna make it the NFL. I don't know what my life's gonna look like when I'm 30 and 40. How do I? How can I not benefit from me being successful now? So now that they're doing that, I think Ohio State's gonna have a lot. A lot more appeal 
because there's nothing, nothing, no other professional teams yep. here. There's the, I mean, there's the Jackets and the crew, but yep. Ohio State reigns supreme in Ohio, let alone right. Columbus. And you bring that to a, a big city where they can sponsor player. I mean, help pay, not pay them, but yeah. yeah. They support them. Support them. Hey, you know, you come here, look at this car dealership that's going to maybe help you out. You can, if you're a starting quarterback, oh, man. Well, think about, you know, your buddy Devere Posey coming over or Terrell Pryor or Boom Heron with, you know, Beanie and Boom podcast. Like, we, those yeah. rules. We literally yeah. lost you our 12 no season. Yeah. Yeah. We, lost, we didn't get to go to a national championship because guys made money off their name. And now that's going to be a legal thing. I don't and know. people thought the sky was falling and oh. college football was over. Just, no, just, Let's go back and play it, baby. <laughs> I just I just keep thinking about the Sports Illustrated cover, how deep it went. You know, oh, they, yeah. they, they blew it up yeah. like it was the worst thing ever, yeah. and now it's like, well, that was as now deep they're as paying guys to <laughs> do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. the, the other thing that Columbus, not only is Ohio State on top of the recruiting world, right, and we talk about it, and it's probably, in my mind, from a recruiting standpoint, probably one of top four, right? The big four is Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, right? Not only does Ohio State reign supreme with that. Think about the town. In Alabama, in, in uh, Clemson, South Carolina, you don't have the headquarters of Wendy's. You don't have the headquarters of White Castle. You don't have Ohio Health, Mount Carmel. Like, you don't have nationwide. these massive, yeah, nationwide. Like, you don't have these massive companies. Columbus is right fifth in, in the world with Fortune 500 companies. Right. So think about that, right? And you're not having that in, in, uh, in uh, or, uh, Oklahoma, in Lincoln, yeah. or, uh, not Lincoln, but you know what I'm talking about, wherever Oklahoma Norman. is, right? Norman. Norman, Norman yeah. right? Of those four, think about that. You take Columbus and you offer that to a recruit on top of the program that they're going into. I mean, it's a home run. Well, I mean, the coaching staff already knows that too because you uh. see, like, it, it it's more prevalent to me with like Keenan Bailey and Brian Hartline are just constantly tweeting, you know, that Columbus video yeah, yeah. or a graphic. Come to Columbus, Ohio. Like they know what this city offers and they know what it's going to offer these these oh, yeah. recruits when yeah. they're allowed to start making. Money. It's the best college football town in America. It is. And it, you know, you think of, like you were saying, Alabama, Oklahoma, you think of Notre Dame, all those big time schools, they're at smaller, they're yeah. like college towns. Yeah. Well, our college town happened to be Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> which is like the 12th biggest city in the country. <laughs> right. And there's no other professional teams that people really, truly are like super passionate about, like Ohio State. And that's just, I think, going to take Ohio State, at least in the Big Ten, to a level yeah. where no other teams can really touch it. I mean, from a big time college standpoint, you're really only looking from a big time program, you're looking at two places that could maybe compete with Columbus, Ohio. Ohio, you're looking at USC and Miami. Both of those programs are nowhere near where Ohio State is right yeah. now. But right, you look at the top programs in the country, and all of them are small town, co- college towns, right? I mean, Austin is is growing, but Austin doesn't have the Fortune 500, you know, yeah. companies that Columbus has. Austin just has a lot to offer from a really cool town standpoint. But no Georgia, other, yeah, I mean, it's Athens, right? LSU, but, yeah, I mean, those small. places have to lean on. You know, nearby cities like Alabama has to have Birmingham, Lindenham, but yep. that's still nothing compared to Columbus. You know, you have Atlanta uh, just down the road from Athens, Georgia. That's that's fine. I mean, but it's still an hour and a half drive. Yeah, you US, know? USC's got that. I mean, I, I think that. Are we going to be Flavor Town though? Is it going to be Flavor Town, Ohio? <laughs> Boy, that's that's got to be a different show. I don't want to <laughs> take part of that. You know, the other thing those places don't have is roosters though, so that's going to be yep. the tipping point just down the road from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center in the Horseshoe. Uh, great to be back here again, talking with these guys. It's been a while since we had Zach and Stoney with us for a Letterman Live to dig into some food and have a fun, casual talk about the Buckeyes. Spencer Holbrook down there at the end as well. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will see you next week, right back here at Roosters in Columbus. Still the name of this city as long as uh, we have something to say about it. We'll see. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a vote for somebody else. I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you next time. Bye.